Chapter Five of the Wheat Princess by Jean Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Meanwhile, the unconscious subjects of Castel Vivalanti's apoplexies were gaily installing themselves in their new old dwelling. The happy hum of life had again invaded the house, and its walls once more echoed to the ring of a child's laughter. They were a very matter-of-fact people, these Americans and they took possession of the ancestral home of the vivalanti as if it were as much their right as a seaside cottage at newport upstairs granton and marietta were unpacking trunks and hampers and laying paris gowns in antique roman clothes-chests in the villa kitchen francois was rattling copper pots and kettles and anxiously trying to adapt his modern french ideas to a medieval roman stove while from every room in succession sounded the patter of gerald's feet and his delighted squeals over each new discovery for the past two weeks roman workmen and castel vivalanti cleaning women had been busily carrying out mrs copley's orders the florid furniture and coloured chandeliers of the latter vivalanti had been banished to the attic or what answers to an attic in a roman villa while the faded damask of a former generation had been dusted and restored tapestries covered the walls and hung over the balustrade of the marble staircase dark rugs lay on the red tile floors carved chests and antique chairs and tables of coloured marble supported by gilded griffins were scattered through the rooms in the bedrooms the heavy draperies had been superseded by curtains of an airier texture while wicker chairs and chintz-covered couches lent an unroman air of comfort to the rooms in spite of his humorous grumbling about the trials of moving day mr copley found himself very comfortable as he lounged on the parapet towards sunset smoking a pre-prandial cigarette and watching the shadows as they fell over the campagna gerald was already up to his elbows in the fountain and the ilex grove was echoing his happy shrieks as he prattled in italian to marietta about a marvellous two-tailed lizard he had caught in a cranny of the stones copley smiled as he listened for castel vivalanta to the contrary his little boy was very near his heart marcia and the house had been gaily superintending the unpacking and running back and forth between the rooms as excited by her new surroundings as gerald himself what time does villa vivalanti dine she inquired while on a flying visit to her aunt's room eight o'clock when any of us are in town and half-past seven other nights i suppose it's half-past seven to-night alors shall i make a grand toilette in honour of the occasion put on something warm whatever else you do i distrust this climate after sundown you're such a distrustful person aunt catherine i can't understand how one can have the heart to accuse this innocent old villa of harbouring malaria she returned to her own room and delightedly rummaged out a dinner-gown from the ancient wardrobe with a little laugh at the thought of the many different styles it had held in its day perhaps some other girl had once occupied this room very likely a young princess vivalanti two hundred years before had hung silk embroidered gowns in this very wardrobe it was a big rather bare delightfully italian apartment with tall windows having solid barred shutters overlooking the terrace the view from the windows revealed a broad expanse of campagna and hills marcia dressed with her eyes on the landscape and then stood a long time gazing up at the broken ridges of the sabines glowing softly in the afternoon light picturesque little mountain hamlets of battered grey stone were visible here and there clinging to the heights and in the distance the walls and towers of a half-ruined monastery stood out clear against the sky she drew a deep breath of pleasure to be an artist and to appreciate and reproduce this beauty suddenly struck her as an ideal life she smiled at herself as she recalled something she had said to paul dessart in the gallery the day before 
she had advised him an artist to exchange italy for pittsburgh mr copley who was strolling on the terrace glanced up and catching sight of his niece paused beneath her balcony while he quoted but soft what light through yonder window breaks it is the east and juliet is the sun marcia brought her eyes from the distant landscape to a contemplation of her uncle and then she stepped through the glass doors and leaned over the balcony railing with a little laugh you make a pretty poor romeo uncle howard she called down i'm afraid the real one never wore a dinner jacket nor smoked a cigarette mr copley spread out his hands in protest for the matter of that i doubt if juliet ever wore a gown from where was it forty-two avenue de l'opera how does the new house go he asked beautifully i feel like a princess on a balcony awaiting for the hunters to come back from the chase i can't get over the idea that i'm a usurper myself and that the rightful heir is languishing in a donjon somewhere in the cellar come down and talk to me i'm getting lonely so far from the world marcia disappeared from the balcony and reappeared three minutes later on the loggia she paused on the top step and slowly turned around in order to take in the whole affect the loggia in its rehabilitation made an excellent lounging-place for a lazy summer morning it was furnished with comfortably deep oriental rush chairs a crimson rug and awnings and at either side of the steps white azaleas growing in marble cinerary urns isn't this the most fun you ever had uncle howard she inquired as she brought her eyes back to mr copley waiting on the terrace below we'll have coffee served out here in the morning and then when it gets sunny in the afternoon we'll move to the end of the terrace under the ilex trees villa vivalanti is the most thoroughly satisfying place i ever lived in she ran down the steps and joined him aren't those little trees nice she asked nodding toward a row of oleanders ranged at mathematical intervals along the balustrade i think that aunt catherine and i plan things beautifully if every one were as well pleased with his own work as you appear to be this would be a contented world there's nothing like the beautiful enthusiasm of youth it's a very good thing to have just the same said marcia good-naturedly and without mentioning any names i know one man who would be less disagreeable if he had more of it none of that said her uncle our pact was that if i stopped grumbling about the villa being so abominably far from rome you were not to utter any er unpleasant truths about mr sybert very well i'll not mention him again and you'll please not refer to the thirty-nine kilometres it's a bargain gerald i judge has found the fountain she added as a delighted shriek issued from the grove and a menagerie as well if he will only keep them out of doors i shall dream of finding lizards in my bed if you only dream of them you will be doing well i dare say the place is full of bats and lizards and owls and all manner of ruin haunting creatures you're such a pessimist uncle howard between you and aunt catherine the poor villa won't have a shred of character left for my part i approve of it all particularly the ruins i am dying to explore them do you think it's too late to-night far too late you'd get malaria to say nothing of missing dinner here comes pietro now to announce the event as the family entered the dining-room they involuntarily paused on the threshold struck by the contrast between the new and the old in the days of cardinal vivalanti the room had been the chapel and it still contained its gothic ceiling appropriately redecorated to its new uses with grape-breathed trellises and in the central panelling back is crowned with vines the very modern dinner-table with its glass and silver and shaded candles looked ludicrously out of place in the long dusky vaulted apartment 
which in spite of its rakish frescoes tenaciously preserved the air of a chapel the glass doors at the end were thrown wide to a little balcony which overlooked the garden and the ilex grove and the room was flooded with a nightingale song marcia clasped her hands ecstatically isn't this perfect aren't you glad we came aunt catherine i feel like forgiving all my enemies uncle howard i'm going to be lovely to mr sybert don't promise anything rash he laughed you'll get acclimated in a day or two gerald in honour of the occasion and because marietta under the stress of excitement had forgotten to give him his supper was allowed to dine en famille elated by the unwonted privilege and by his new surroundings he babbled gaily of the ride in the cars and the little boys who turned some all sorts by the roadside and of the beautiful two-tailed lizard of the fountain whose charms he dwelt on lovingly but he had missed his noonday nap and though he struggled bravely through the first three courses his head nodded over the chicken and salad and he was led away by marietta still sleepily boasting in a blend of english and italian of the bellissimi animali he would catch domani morning in the fountain it's a pity said marcia as the sound of his prattle died away gerald hasn't some one of his own age to play with yes it is a pity copley returned i passed a lonely childhood myself and i know how barren it is that is the chief reason that would make me want to go back to new york said his wife her husband smiled i suppose there are children to be found outside of new york there are the kirkups in rome she agreed but they are so boisterous and they always quarrel with gerald whenever they come to play with him i am not sure myself but that gerald quarrels with them returned her husband however fond he might be of his offspring he cherished no motherly delusions but perhaps you are right he added with something of a sigh it may be necessary to take him back to america before long i myself have doubts if this cosmopolitan atmosphere is the best in which to bring up a boy i should have wished him to spend a winter in paris for his french said mrs copley plaintively but i dare say he can learn it later marcia didn't begin till she was twelve and she has a very good accent i'm sure mr copley twisted the handle of his glass in silence i suppose after all he said finally to no one in particular if you manage to bring up a boy to be a decent citizen you've done something in the world i don't know marcia objected with a half laugh if one man whom we will suppose is a decent citizen brings up one boy to be a decent citizen and does nothing else i don't see that much as gained to the world your one man has merely shifted the responsibility mr copley shrugged a trifle perhaps the boy might be better able to bear it of course it would be easier for the man to think so she agreed but if everybody passed on his responsibilities there wouldn't be much progress the boys might do the same you know when they grew up mrs copley rose if you two are going to talk metaphysics i shall go into the salon and have coffee alone it's not metaphysics it's theology her husband returned marcia is developing into a terrible preacher i know it marcia acknowledged i'm growing deplorably moral i think it must be the roman air it doesn't affect most people that way her uncle laughed i don't care for any coffee catherine i will smoke a cigarette on the terrace and wait for you out there he disappeared through the balcony doors and marcia and her aunt proceeded to the salon marcia poured the coffee and her aunt said as she received her cup i really believe your uncle is getting tired of rome and will be ready to go back before long i don't believe he's tired of rome aunt catherine i think he's just a little bit well discouraged 
nonsense child he has nothing to be discouraged about he is simply getting restless again i know the signs i have never known him to stay as long as this in one place before i only hope that he will not think of any ridiculous new thing to do but will be satisfied to go back to new york and settle down quietly like other people it seems to me said marcia slowly as if he might do more good there because he would understand better what the people need there are plenty of things to be done even in new york oh yes when he once got settled he would find any amount of things to take up his time he might even try yachting for a change i am sure that keeps men absorbed marcia sipped her coffee in silence and glanced out of the window at her uncle who was pacing up and down the terrace with his hands in his pockets he looked a rather lonely figure in the half-darkness it suddenly struck her as she watched him that she did not understand him she had scarcely realized before that there was anything to understand mrs copley set her cup down on the table and marcia rose let's go out on the terrace aunt Catherine. you go out my dear and i will join you later i want to see if gerald is asleep i neglected to have a crib sent out for him and the dear child thrashes around so what with a bed four feet high and a stone floor it would be disastrous marcia agreed she crossed the loggia in the terrace and silently fell into step beside her uncle it was almost dark and a crescent moon was hanging low over the top of guadagnolo a faint lemon light still tinged the west throwing into misty relief the outline of the alban hills the ilex grove was black gruesomely black and the happy song of the nightingales and the splashing of the fountain sounded uncanny coming from the darkness but the white irregular mass of the villa formed a cheerful contrast with its shining lights which threw squares of brightness on the marble terrace and the trees marcia looked about with a deep breath it's beautiful isn't it uncle howard they paused a moment by the parapet and stood looking down over the plain isn't the campagna lovely she added half covered with mist yes it's lovely and the mist means death to the peasants who live beneath it she exclaimed half impatiently uncle howard why can't you let anything be beautiful here without spoiling it by pointing out an ugliness beneath i'm sorry it isn't my fault that the ugliness exists look upon the mist as a blessed dew from heaven if it makes you any happier of course i should rather know the truth but it seems as if the italians are happy in spite of things they strike me as the happiest people i have ever seen ah well perhaps they are happier than we think i'm sure they are said marcia comfortably anglo-saxons particularly new englanders and most particularly mr howard copley worry too much it's at least a fault the italians haven't learned he replied but after all as you say it may be the better fortune to have less and worry less i'd like to believe it end of chapter five read by celine major